0: In the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details.
1: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast.
3: Payne and Pendergast with you into the 9 o'clock hour. There will be rodeo tickets handed out this hour. Laney Wilson tickets. A little later on this hour. Nick Casario met with the media yesterday. Um, got a few things here in this segment that we'll get to with Nick. To me, this was the big one because I think, and there was more to this answer that we didn't get to. The original question was about using the franchise tag. I don't think he gave a real window into whether or not they're going to use it. He basically pulled out a piece of paper and read the rules of the franchise tag is what it felt like.
4: (laughs) See, I I don't know. I think uh, when he talked about the franchise tag, well, we, we can, um, he talks about how it kind of sets up. It sets the low point. Yeah. Like, it sets the bit. So, almost, you you take that franchise tag number, and if it's $12 million, then the player kind of expects that he's going to get at least $12 million a year. So, it's more of a... I think he was maybe explaining that it's not as simple as just saying, well, look, we can lock him down with a franchise tag and then figure something out later. Sometimes, in, in giving the franchise tag, you're already conceding a certain contract. Yeah. So... No, that's a good I mean, point. It made me feel like he's not gonna. Yeah, he's hesitant to use the franchise. I tag think on so Dalton too. Schultz. You
3: know, yeah, you're. I, I think you're right. Yeah, you, you, he he gave a little more on the franchise tag. You're right about that. Yeah. Definitely not using it on Grenard. I feel, and I think Dalton Schultz. I feel less likely on that too. Fair point. The back end of the answer, though, to me is what I found very very interesting. Here was Nick Casario talking about use of salary cap space with a Nico Collins drive by in here.
5: We have some flexibility relative to financial commitments that we might be able to make but you don't necessarily have to use all your money up in one year so we've tried to and i've talked about this previously really look at your team in sort of two-year increments so whatever you don't do this year that money's going to be used in future years um i'm sure i'll get a question here very soon about nico collins that's coming so that could be a player that maybe he's a part of the future so You're dealing with the present. You're focused on the short term, but part of our responsibility is to kind of think ahead a little bit so and just try to make good, sound decisions for the team and the organization.
3: I think think you can add those two things. At the very least, the very least, I think you can add those two things together. The acknowledgement that cap space may not all get used this year. It may. It may not. And then the proactive mention of Nico Collins. Mike Evans ain't coming to Houston. That That's my, like, if, if you want to yeah. get specific with a free yep. agent that is a hot topic both on this station and on social media and around town, my, the Mike Evans dream is over. He mentions he, Nico Collins in an extension, and he talks about judicious use of cap space.
4: Well, and he had earlier talked about having to build a complete roster that that's his and D'Amico's goal is to yep. build a complete roster. And and I'll tell you time and time again right now, the Texans don't have Ten starters in ten different positions, like, and it's not like the guys that are behind them are guys or. And I think when um when I say that, I think sometimes people think that's my opinion. Like, no, that's how many free agents they have. They've yeah. got ten starters who Those have are yeah who are, are not currently on the team right now. So, in building that complete team, it's you've got a lot of spots to fill that are you got to take care of that before you get to Mike Evans. I think the other thing though, too, Sean. And this is the hard part, I mean, and kind of talking about it on sports radio, is that Nick has a much more fluid sense of what can and might not happen in free agency, the draft, everything. And I think when he talks about two year windows, it doesn't mean that they've got a specific plan for exactly what they're gonna do. It's that they've gotta kind of a they've gotta account for salaries and be sure they have enough space over the course of two years and be able to have some outs. But Just like with free agency, you don't really know what the market's going to be. Like for the Texans right now, to say this is specifically who we're going to target in free agency and this is who we hope to get, and think that it's going to go a certain kind of way, you just you have no idea what the actual market value is going to be for some of these guys. Who's going to get franchise tagged and everything? And I think that's another part of it. Like I I think they've got they've got so many spots with those ten starting positions where free agents are either leaving the team or they need to be re-signed, that to, to think like, oh, yeah, we're going after Mike Evans come hell or high water right now, it just wouldn't be responsible or it wouldn't be realistic either because you just don't know what the market's going to be.
3: Yep. Um, I want to add to what Nick just said, you know, specifically the Nico part. And I, it's, to me, it's clear they're working on something with Nico or they plan to work on something with Nico here down the road. I don't think Nick brings that up. I was... Mildly disappointed that there was no follow-up to that at the press conference because he was almost inviting a question about Nico Collins and where that's going. Um, Here was D'Amico Ryans on Tuesday, though, about the Texans in free agency.
6: When you talk about free agents, when you have that
3: firsthand look of the guys who you've spent day after day with, you know them. You know their strengths. You know their weaknesses. right? You know everything about the player. You know how they are when things get hot and heavy. Like, how do they handle it? So I think there is an advantage to – Man, I know exactly who this guy is. I know exactly how he will respond, as opposed to reaching for someone you may on another team that you may not have much info about. Uh, so it, it, there's a lot that goes into it. If we're just putting this together like a puzzle, Seth, those two cuts—the one from Casario and the one from D'Amico—then it's it's kind of like the opposite of what the super duper aggressive crowd want to do. Like if we take Nick's cut about. Um, hey, man, like the salary cap space, you know, you don't use it all this year. You can roll it over to next year. That That's indicative, at least on the surface, of a, maybe a more conservative approach. And then you got D'Amico talking about knowing guys that are in your building versus bringing in guys from the outside. Like, you put that together as a puzzle, and now all of a sudden, I feel if we're taking it at face value, they could be posturing on all of this. I get that. Yeah. That there may be more guys than people think that are coming back to the Texans. I'm not saying they're running it back with everybody. Yeah. But I thought there was a good chance they were going to lose, like, almost everybody but Dalton Schultz. And now I don't even know if Schultz is one of the guys coming back after the last couple of days. Who knows?
4: Well, I don't. I, I think um, you don't want to discount the fact that some of those guys are genuinely good football players. For sure. Too. Yep. And and I think that last year a lot of people thought, well, Nick's just doing the same old thing that he's always done, these one- and two-year contracts and free agents See on like non-starters or journeymen. It was a different class of one and two year contracts last year, and it was guys that are bona fide starters. Like Dalton Schultz will be a starter somewhere in the league this year. Um, you know, Sheldon Rankins will be a starter in the league somewhere this year. And I think that that you know those guys. If you know that you like them in your system, then yeah, I think that the Texans are more likely to bring them back. And those guys, those guys might test the market, or at least you get that soft period where you can negotiate with your own team but maybe get a feel for what else is going on. I mean, I mean Nick yesterday said, "Hey, we'll talk to other I mean, this isn't like the soft tampering period is like right now what's legal and what's not legal isn't nobody really cares. I mean, Nick <laughs> just flat out said, we'll talk to some agents to see if, uh, you know, they'll find out if we have an interest in their players or dude. whatever. like? I think in the past, maybe people would have been more careful about saying something like the, that. Dude,
3: the NFL network, I don't know if you saw the NFL network hit yeah. that he did yesterday, but they joked that like at the beginning, uh, I think it was Pellicero said something about the legal tampering and Nick like sits up with this big smile. He's like, that goes on here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so he was even kind of like tacitly acknowledging it. Um, a couple more from Casario. I'll credit the media at the combine with this. They did try to get one last try to get, to squeeze some juice from the uh, Deshaun Watson fruit. How, how have you, how do you feel about the improvements that you've made since the Deshaun Watson trade?
5: Yeah, I have been able to keep track of all the moves, but anytime that you give up an asset, you're getting assets in return and what you do with those assets is all about the decisions that you make. And We're fortunate that we've added players that have been able to help our team. Um, Each year is going to be different, um, but that's in the past. And, you know, where we are today, we have a number of players that we've been able to acquire that have helped our team. Um, Hopefully that continues moving forward. But uh, Cleveland, a lot of respect for Cleveland and their organization. They have a good football team. They've won a lot of football games. Sean's going to be a good player in this league for a long time. So we're focused on the Houston Texans and what can we do to continue to build our team so that we can put the best product out there on a weekly basis.
3: Good try. It was a good try to get him to say something. Nick's not going to bite on saying something negative about Deshaun Watson or how awesome it's been since Deshaun Watson left, and we got all this stuff for him, and how we fleeced Cleveland in the just, Deshaun Watson trade.
4: I just want Nick at one point, maybe like after a really bad Deshaun Watson performance, to just get on his x.com account and do a little side eye emoji even though it's a burner account and nobody knows who it is or anything it's just out there nobody will ever see it nobody needs to but just a little side eye emoji so he
3: can can just get it out of his system yeah yeah
4: yeah yeah Uh, honestly honestly that's the one thing man of like various things that this team has done both good and many bad in the last few years Holding out as long as they did on trading Deshaun Watson, uh, that's something where like I just I I wouldn't have had it in me. I just I wouldn't have I would have yeah. buckled and folded at some point when Miami wanted to trade for him or whatever um, during the regular season that year. It the one thing I, the one part I'll give myself a break on Sean mm-hmm. is that uh, maybe maybe if I were in the Texans' position, I would have had a better feel for maybe how how they thought the legal proceedings were going to go. Yeah, but still, it was uh, that that was a long time to sit with a whole lot of <laughs> scrutiny. And end up getting a haul because And have
3: it. him in the building for a year.
4: <laughs> like he was, he well, was he's your scout team safety. Hanging to, around. You can't just you be know, out there without a right. scout safety. He was team productive. Safety. You know, he, he, yeah.
3: he filled a role. Um, okay, now this answer here. Nick did the whole warning label thing on the offseason. He's done that on our show before. Like, don't believe everything you read, um, especially this time of year. Talks about narratives. But this one was in response to a question about Bryce Young and how what happened to Bryce Young on the field this year – has impacted his evaluation process.
5: I would just caution people this time of year to pay too much attention to narratives that are out there about players or what teams are doing. So I would just say going back to last year, there was quite a bit of misinformation out there about what happened or what the Texans were going to do. So really only people that knew what the Texans were going to do were Coach Ryans and myself. So. I'm saying is we made the decisions that we feel are best for the Texans, and I'd say I'd be careful just to read into too many narratives about what a team is or is not going to do. This is, and I've said this, this is a season, unfortunately. It makes for a lot of fun, makes for a lot of uh, dialogue. Sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not. So we just try to focus on ourselves and try to make the right decisions for our team.
3: I hear that, and my thought is he at the end there he says – don't listen too much about what teams are or aren't going to do, and I add in or were going to do if they had the first overall pick.
4: Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess I think the he's um, directly I, answering
3: we, that Bryce Young yeah, we, was going to be our guy thing.
4: Yeah, I mean we don't we don't know, we'll likely never know that. Um but I think the the one obvious one that was wrong was the people that were saying the Texans weren't going to take a quarterback at That's all. That's fair, yeah. 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 I mean and that was I that to the point where people continue to, like, they continue to cling on to it for a while afterwards. Like, they started trying to come up with these vast theories as to how the Texans ended up deciding to take a quarterback um, because, they like, they refused to believe that the Texans were always planning on taking a quarterback, despite the fact that D'Amico Ryans had come out and said, we're going to take one of these two quarterbacks. Yep. Like, think about, the, uh, think about the lunacy. He talks about silly season. D'Amico Ryans publicly says, hey, there's two quarterbacks at the top. We're going to take one of them. A few weeks later, the Texans take one of those two quarterbacks and there's people that are convinced that no, it must have been because of a directive from the owner. Or no, there was last minute meddling or what have you. (laughs) Like, well, I don't like you're you're going you're doing you're doing mental backflips to try to figure out a way to to be correct on your wrong take that the Texans weren't gonna take a quarterback. And of
3: all the owners, right? Like to to accuse of that, like Cal Cal is as hands off as it gets. Yeah, know? Cal's
4: issue at times has been that he's so hands off. Yeah, like the, the complaints about Cal should have been like during the Jack Easterby era and whatnot that Cal was a little too hands off. Yeah. or didn't you know intervene at various points. So uh, yeah, that's not an issue with with this ownership that's group. Funny
3: um, text message. Nico Collins is a dime a dozen wide receiver. Let's move along and let some other team pay him big. I, I don't know if you think Nico, I'm not, I'm not saying Nico Collins is Jerry Rice or anything like that, but if you feel like there's, if you like, if you dime a dozen means you feel like every team's got at least two or three Nico Collins on their roster. That's that's silly.
4: I, it's tough because I think part of it with Nico Collins is that, yeah, people, people lived through the first couple of years of Nico Collins where there was promise, but then there was injuries. Um, but you're also playing with non NFL quarterbacks to be realistic. And Just Pep Hamilton is your OC. Are, yeah, not starting, not starting NFL quarterbacks, yeah. and I think that that's where that's where if Nico had just had his rookie year and this is what he had done, I think that guy himself would be all over the moon for Nico Collins. Which that's, I mean, that's not a fair argument for Nico Collins. It's just there's the truth lies somewhere in between. I think
3: it was uh, it was fun yesterday. I had the NFL Network on in the background yesterday at, at, uh, in my apartment, and. um I had the combine on, but then the combine uh, ended at like two or three in the afternoon, like the coverage from there. And they played the Texans Tampa Bay Buccaneers game from this past season. The, uh, the, the, the tank Dell touchdown setting, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was kind of fun watching it one just to, and going back and watching tank Dell and that, that tank Dell was amazing in that game. Like he was, he didn't just score the winning touchdown. Like he was incredible in that game. Uh, but it was fun, Seth, scouting Levante David and Shaq Barrett. This Mike Evans wide receiver who everybody's talking about, I got to scout him a little bit. It was actually Levante David was really, really good in that game. <laughs> I got excited because you uh, yeah, mentioned him yeah. as a well, he possibility ca- for the Texans. He caused the
4: fumble. And, yeah. Um, yeah the, uh, he, Levante David is still good in coverage. He can still run sideline to sideline. He's a free agent. That's why I'm bringing him yeah, up. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And he's he's very, very smart. The projected contract for him is one year, five million dollars, and Sounds good to I, me. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think he'll get more than that if he if he actually leaves Tampa. Yeah, I it's. I'm not trying to get my hopes up about him just because. Well, for two reasons. One was that I, I think Tampa is going to figure something out with him. He's been there 13 years, or this will be his 13th year. Won a Super Bowl with him. I'm sure he's got uh you know probably a desire to stay and and stay with one team, but two. I have personal experience with signing an awesome middle linebacker off of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then it not working out as well. It was with Hardy Nickerson. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. And that wasn't Hardy Nickerson's fault, but it was just, it was part of like as we were trying to, when I was in Jacksonville, we were trying to make that one last push after we'd been to a couple AFC championship games. And we signed a bunch of veterans. And it was just, it was too many aging veterans. Yeah. It was like Carnell Lake. It was Hardy Nickerson. It was, Rice pop at that point, I think it was, uh, you know, past his prime. And it was just, it was too many of those types of guys on one team. I think with, with, I, I think with Levante David, it would be the right balance. I mean, you know, he's, he's, you get one good year out of him where maybe Christian Harris develops into a guy yeah. that can be the signal caller the next year. Then I'd feel cool with that. I feel like with any
3: signing at the linebacker position, D'Amico is going to have heavy, heavy input into it. And I trust D'Amico Ryan's. That's where I come out on it. You know, just as far as fit goes and whatnot.
4: The thing that would be interesting about that is the just what kind of a recruiting pitch that would be for Levante David. Yeah. You know, if Levante David is thinking, like, all right, I've made my money and I just want to find the right fit. If I'm ring chasing, I maybe not, I don't know. But D'Amico, if he gets in a room with him or gets on the phone with him, like might be able to say all the right things. As far as as far as Nico Collins, by the way, I just wanted to bring up this one stat is a display of kind of how things were this past year versus the previous years. Mm-hmm. The, the weird thing about Nico Collins a couple years ago was his catch percentage, his catch rate was 56.1% um, two years ago, which is, not, which is not a great catch percentage. And usually that would be like, oh, wow, the guy, guy had a bunch of drops. No, that wasn't the issue. The issue was that he was targeted with uncatchable footballs a lot, like <laughs> a lot, a lot. So you fast forward to one year when all of a sudden he's got a ball placement specialist as his quarterback, and and his catch rate goes up to seventy four percent. Yeah, dude. And, and it just it was a huge difference in just what kind of a production, what kind of output do you expect from a guy that's not actually having accurate footballs thrown to him?
3: Some of the passer rating numbers on balls thrown to Nico Collins this past season, yeah, are are they're they're mind blowing. Like it's like it's 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 insane.
4: It was, um, I mean, and remember Brandon Cooks? Like, Brandon Cooks had more drops that two years ago than he'd ever had for the first part of the season. As much as I'd love to blame Brandon Cooks for anything at all, I mean, they were uncatchable football. Yeah, it was bad. Like, you know, I mean, Davis was just spraying them uh, like buckshot all over the place. It was bad. All right. Um, so, we're
3: going to hear from this year's crop of quarterbacks at the combine over the next couple of days. Article about Caleb Williams and the Athletic. And again, just one more thing that makes me so happy. We have C.J. Stroud. We will uh, discuss coming up next.
1: Call from mom.
0: Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details.
1: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. So
3: we are still waiting to see what the um, Chicago Bears do. All signs seem to point to them drafting Caleb Williams. You know, we had Ryan Poles saying the other day he's going to be respectful of Justin Fields' situation, doesn't want him to live in the gray, quote, um, too long if they indeed decide to take Caleb Williams. Article in The Athletic yesterday, long form, about Caleb Williams and just his kind of the structure of his inner circle, and he doesn't have an agent. But his dad is very, very, very involved in his things. Dad's,
4: his dad is super involved. And I started off reading this kind of as just assuming that I was going to end up like, hating this whole situation and thinking, ah, oh, crap, you got to deal with the entire family if you deal with it, blah, 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 like all that. But then uh, there are a couple things that, that changed my mind on it, Sean. I think you and I are going to disagree on this. Okay. One is that... Caleb Williams, like many athletes today, but to an extreme degree as a college athlete has already made a bunch of money, like $10 million or so. So he's had to have a team in place that includes his father, but more people as well. And I feel like they've gotten, they've probably gotten a handle on just, you know, a how to handle the money and what the responsibilities are and everything. But, but B the thing that it, soften me a little bit is that it seems like carl williams caleb williams father is way more concerned with the actual business side of things and and not so much the football stuff like i i don't worry that like carl williams is going to be meddling with the coach or publicly complaining about the way his player his, his son is treated or anything it feels like all right look the kid was making $10 million in college. He needed some guidance and everything. You got to handle logistically all this stuff. And then you're about to go into the NFL where it's going to be a lot of the same. But he also, um, like, he's, he's, he he asks questions, and I think it gets turned into, this is what Caleb Williams' camp is pushing for.
3: Well, he's, okay, I I agree with most of what you said. I I, I think... Carl Williams is more concerned about what he feels are inequities in the collective bargaining agreement yes. than he is about how Caleb fits into the system, uh, Shane Waldron's system in Chicago. Like, he's, in this article at least, way more yeah. concerned with um, trying to somehow crack the code of not doing a rookie deal, um, the
4: fifth-year option. out a way to, yeah, it's like, like, how come you, because it is, look, Florio, this is one of the things that Florio goes off about that I actually agree with him. It's it's about the most un American thing we have in our most American of sports, that you get out of college, you're one of the best in your you're one of the best job yeah, you're one of the best um job candidates out there and you don't get to choose where you go to work. It's wage scale. It's bogus, yeah. yeah. Well the draft, yeah, you're talking about the draft. The draft but- I'm talking about the draft, yeah. yeah. Like the ask the draft itself. Yeah. You don't get to choose where you do work. It's
3: bogus. So so in this article, at least Carl Williams, Caleb's dad, seems more concerned about somehow trying to pioneer change with respect to how players get paid and how they find their place of work than he is how his son... I'm not saying he's not concerned about his son. He's concerned about his son from that perspective, contractual. In this article, they talk about how Caleb Williams doesn't have an agent because Carl Williams basically interviewed a bunch of agents and when none of them had an answer as to how they could get out of him having to do a normal rookie deal, he's like, oh, what do we need you guys for then? Which Which is actually a good line of thinking. I've always felt that there's no there's very little negotiating negotiating that needs to go on with the number 1 overall pick in the draft and whoever takes them at least not enough to the extent where you need to be paying them 4% of what you're making or whatever so i i agree yeah. with that part of it
4: the one thing about that is that you know theoretically at least and i think in practice depending on who the agent is if you if you were wanting to try to force your way out of going to whoever has the number one overall pick. That's where a really savvy agent can maybe get something done for you because they can have the conversations on the backside mm-hmm. on, on through back channels and everything without people getting their feelings hurt. Like it, it's never going to be pretty. Like if you want to be John Elway or if you want to be Eli Manning and force your way off of the team, that took, if you want to be Jim Kelly, <laughs> you know, it's like Jim Kelly didn't want to go to the bills. It, he had the USFL to run to, but it's it's going to be ugly, but I don't know if they'll, I don't know if Carl Williams would be as adept as an agent at actually like forcing his way out of whoever whoever has a number one overall. I don't there. think
3: he would be as adept, but he, the question, I guess if you're the Bears, is he willing to, you know, how right. good he is at doing it is one question, but the other, because he has made comments about that too. This would be the thing that would concern me if I were the Bears, a few things here. If I were reading this article and I knew what the behind the scenes was with Carl Williams and Caleb Williams is that. There seems to be a good cop, bad cop thing going on where Carl lets Caleb be the good cop and just say he'll go play wherever. And Carl, meanwhile, is making all these comments about how unfair the system is, um, how he's made comments about maybe not wanting to go to certain places to play. Caleb Williams is from the D.C. area. They're picking number two in the draft. I don't think that's insignificant in all this. Those things would concern me. Here's why it would concern me for the Bears is because they're going to make some kind of decision here over the next week or two with Justin Fields. And if the decision is to move on from Justin Fields, Caleb Williams then has basically a month and a half to now begin trying to agitate getting out of being drafted by the Bears. That would be the worst thing for Ryan Poles, would be if he were to choose to trade Justin Fields, and now he's into a part of the calendar where Caleb Williams can agitate to get out of there. That would be a really bad look for Ryan Poles, and it's, you know, it's a possibility, I suppose.
4: Uh, if, boy, and yet if I put myself in the shoes of Caleb Williams, and let's say that he does care about going back to Washington or something, look look, usually at the top of the draft you don't have a lot of options. You're, you're gonna go to a team usually that's not so hot unless somebody trades up aggressively, because that's how they got to the top of the draft. And if your two choices are between the Chicago Bears, historically a horrible place to try and play quarterback. Uh, They've never actually had one. For everybody. Literally everybody. (laughs) Um, You know, Washington, which has had some good quarterbacks, but still has not been a good franchise, uh, I would say, okay, this entire century. But still, um, I, I think Washington has new owners. It has new ownership. And the the Bears are still owned by Virginia McCaskey, uh, who is, how old is she now? She's got to be old. in her 90s, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the same family, part of the same family that's owned the Bears forever. I, I'd be way more, I, the if I had to choose between those two, if I had to choose the lesser evil, I'm going to take the unknown upside of the Washington ownership group, and which is already a huge a hugely supportive fan base for everything they've been through. When things are going good in Washington, it's crazy how many people go to those games and and how rabid they are. And then to to boot, he's from there. Yeah, I'd, if I I I can't blame him for trying to finagle his way out. I don't I've really turned on this like that first year when guys get drafted, do whatever you got to do, man. It's survivor rules because um, there's nothing fair about it. Like, you're just, you're, you've got no, you've got you've got very few written rights in terms of dictating where you're going to go. So if you've got to play unconventional pool to get to where you want to go, I say go for it. The,
3: the other thing in this article that would concern me if I were a Bears fan is they say in here, Caleb Williams doesn't do interviews unless it's to promote his foundation or something he's endorsing. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a real joy to deal with.
4: Uh, it's, I, yeah, it's just another way where I think I'm turning on this. I'm like, yeah, why? Uh, why do all these sports media people get a free ride all the time on these interviews? I don't even
3: know it's a sports media people. I mean, you. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I like, but I know I felt better as a Texan fan watching all these. C.J. Stroud, press conferences and interviews that he does and things like that. I mean, he'll do
4: the – Caleb Williams will do the press conferences. But, yeah, all the extra interviews, that'll be – Yeah, she's – Okay, well, okay. Let me me put it to you this way, Sean. Don't worry about it because you know what? You know what C.J. Stroud was doing at Radio Row? He was speaking for companies no, the no, entire no. time I, he was there. No, no, no.
3: I'm not even talking about Radio Row. Yeah. I'm talking about like going on the McAfee show and going to, uh, right. doing other interviews and things like that. Yeah. I, may, yeah. Maybe Caleb Williams does those things. Who knows? And, yeah. and and to be fair, unless, you know, if the Texans were doing poorly, CJ wouldn't have been asked to do all those things. So yeah. wait, maybe we got to wait and see how Caleb Williams plays. If he's playing horribly, they're not going to be asking him to go on those shows, you know? I think
4: it was, so. It was the last quarterback that we kind of worried about whether he had a helicopter dad? Was it Kay, um, Kyler Murray?
3: Uh yeah. a oh boy, I don't know. No, yeah, did, just, they
4: had that awkward interview with Dan Patrick where <laughs> Kyler Murray kept looking over towards his dad yeah. before he'd answer questions. I was out on Kyler Murray wondering. after that interview. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> um He was he was being very coy about whether he was actually gonna enter the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: that's yeah, pro- probably wait,
4: no whether he was gonna go play baseball. Whatever it was. Go play yeah. baseball is what it was. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um I don't know, man. Like that's another one of these you know quarterback what? stories. I'm like, I'm glad we got C.J. Stroud here.
4: <laughs> that's my advice to young quarterbacks now. What's that? It's keep playing baseball. Like if you wanna, if you wanna have the ultimate leverage. Oh yeah. And most quarterbacks, I look, like, I, I'm guessing most quarterbacks, if they would, if they would keep playing both sports, they applied themselves. Yeah. Could have been like, I know, like I'm not like being a major league pitcher is a very difficult thing to do, but I'm guessing most of them. Would have that a bit, would at least get drafted out of high school and have that, or drafted and have an opportunity or something Yeah, that, uh, yeah, at least explore that option. Yeah. If you want to have the ultimate leverage, like have the option to play in baseball.
3: That's right. That's right. Then Um, you can go
4: drew Henson yourself.
3: There's someone that's right. Uh Sean how dare you make Seth spit in the eye of Saquon Twitter we all know Seth is an innocent bystander and you're <laughs> bullying him into saying these things and I did feel
4: bad after I was Sean's not bullying me and I do actually believe a lot of that I felt bad when I took it I took it to the next level when I said I thought you guys were tough I thought you wanted to be I thought you wanted I thought you <laughs> wanted somebody that was uh, that you know that was the, uh, the epitome of the blue collar yep, yep. hard ass worker There is that is my biggest objection with Saigon Barkley is that it meets the eyeball test. When you say like, man, guy seems to dance a lot. And if he doesn't get what he wants, he goes down. It's like all or nothing. It's Homer. Like even in his good seasons, he's got so few broken tackles and he's just so mediocre with yardage after contact that I, there's just a feel about him where I'm like, no, this feels like a diva running back. And I don't not I'm not talking about his personality or anything, I just need a guy that's built to bust heads. Yep. And, uh, and uh, you know, Derrick Henry certainly is that guy. Josh Jacobs is much more that guy yep. than Saquon Barkley is. Um,
3: there's a texture that brings up a great reason. I Maybe a, maybe just a reason. We've thought of all the football reasons for Derrick Henry. The yeah. best reason just came in on the text page. We'll save it for the next segment.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.
1: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Pain and Pendergast.
3: <laughs> I just got a happy anniversary. Today's mine and Amy's anniversary, February 29th, 2024. I got a happy anniversary from my ex-wife. <laughs> to me and oh. Amy,
4: <laughs> it was on. That to-
3: it was on the group text with the kids. So that's like oh, you know, that's okay. one of those that's things. Nice. Like you know, it, that's uh, looks good in front she, of the kids. You she's know? not
4: sitting at home with a glass of Chardonnay thinking about days of old what well, might have been no yeah <laughs> <laughs> no. happy anniversary she definitely it's not is, like that kind of happy anniversary. promise you
3: it's not that
4: <laughs> <laughs> she should have sent it to amy like thank you yeah, <laughs> For like, yeah. Uh, keeping oh. him further out of my life right 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 yeah.
3: um yeah so yeah if everybody thought i was being real smart getting married on february 29th they're like oh yeah that's that's really smart you only have to celebrate your anniversary every four years Okay.
4: <laughs> yep. Today and tomorrow, it straddles midnight. Yep. Yeah. I can't remember that. It was a what day of the week was it? Was it a Saturday? Saturday. Yep. It was a Saturday. I remember because Landry and I had mimosas at the 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 brunch place there. On oh,
3: Kirby. afterwards. Yeah. I yeah. started
4: the day early. I started the day early, and I think I got Landry. I, I started it earlier than Landry. Oh, I'd the day to, of the too.
3: wedding, you guys went and got the mimosas. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. I remember that. It was a fun it was a good time man it was a good party and then the world shut down like 5 days later Oh like, was that
4: you guys started covid that's we, right We
3: did we were the last big party before covid we had to cancel our honeymoon we were supposed to go to italy and that was a hot spot early on so we, had we to- were
4: just a couple of innocent kids Landry and I sitting there having a having a drink at 11 in the morning Yeah and uh, with DeAndre Hopkins on the team <laughs> Uh, no COVID that we knew of. I, I knew there was something going on somewhere with some kind of disease. Sean but, yeah. about to be
3: taken off the market. Yeah. Simpler time and place, man. Yeah.
4: Hey, uh, there's a, there's a request for me to be a commencement speaker at a school on the text page on the text line. I think I'm going to take it.
3: Okay. You get all the information that you need from this text or you need me to snag it for you?
4: No, I'll get it. You will. Okay. Are you, have you done a commencement speech before? I don't think I ever have done a commencement speech. And okay. I, I found myself thinking about the other day that I'm kind of insulted that I was never asked. So now that I'm, I'm not going to turn down this, I'm not going to turn down that. this invitation to be a commencement God has
3: speaker. a plan. Look at that. You were frustrated the of, other day. Yeah, Yeah.
4: a lot of people fear that I'm not going like, to be able to make some like, kind of like, poop joke or something for 12 minutes. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. Okay? It says they're
3: looking for you to speak 12 to 25 minutes. I feel like you're going to skew closer to the 12.
4: I, don't I think know, you though. plan for twelve, then, and then if you add live a little bit, you're good to go. But yeah. a commencement now it's uh it's a it's at a. It's at a school where i think the the average student age is probably a little bit older than normal. Okay. So they might actually like pay attention to a commencement address. True. But for the most part usually with commencement addresses i would try to in my mind when i do them in it, when, in my imagination yeah. i always try to keep it pretty short and succinct cuz i know a lot of the kids just want to get the hell out
3: of it. <laughs> I'm the last thing standing between you and your graduation party after this. Yeah. Yeah. Um that'll be good. I hope that if you do this i hope they stream it. And then everybody can do a report card on you, like the players did on the you owners and the coaches. Rip out
4: the, the very worst po- moments of it. and Yeah, yeah, audio, fun with audio.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, we got a text message. I, I had, I'll be honest with you. You make such a good case for Derrick Henry for the Texans, Seth. That I just think of all the football reasons, like fits the scheme. Um, he's been he's been pretty durable. I know he's older, yeah. but he's been pretty durable. Um, be fun to have Derrick Henry on the team.
4: Um, And and just because I know a lot of people are worried about his age. Look, he's going to be 30. He's in that category of players in my mind, like Curtis Martin, uh, like Adrian Peterson, like Frank, Gore, all of whom had uh, magnificent seasons. Well, especially Adrian Peterson led the league in rushing when he was 30. Um, the other uh, Curtis, Curtis Martin. Martin led the league when he was thirty one. Yeah, like they've had some magnificent years uh, in their thirties.
3: Text message. Let's be honest. We all want Derrick Henry so we can troll the hell out of the Titans.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean,
3: I hadn't even yeah. really. I, I can't think where we've brought that up that we would get to like, dangle this in front of the we, Titans and we just stole one of your best. Maybe your maybe your best player of your of your Titans portion of your history.
4: We've had a few listeners point that out. Yeah. And, and that I've noticed, or at least a few people, have, maybe I saw it on Twitter or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, that part of it would be fun. Yes. We, it we would. could be like, I would just say we go rogue too and, and put on the Titans colors or something, or just go wear the Oilers colors when, when we play the Titans. Even though the, even though the Oilers, excuse me, the Titans actually own the, the rights to, to those uniforms, we just slap them on, and say, screw you, go ahead, sue us, sue us. They will. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, okay. Yeah. I mean, they sued <laughs> they, the university. They sued of the Houston. University of Houston. Yeah, they sued an educational institution, yeah, dude. It would bother me more if they had ever asked me to be their commencement speaker. But can they I, haven't. So they <laughs> haven't. Have the you can go of die, Houston. U of H. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> oh, Matthew McConaughey. Fine, yeah. fine. Okay, that was a year. I, was, I got bumped for Matthew McConaughey. Oh man.
3: <laughs> um, they did a. Um, the Texans put out like a four and a half minute video of the season, like a movie, like a four and a half short movie. One of those little cinema things they do on the website. Of the full season, though, like starting with the drafting of CJ and Will and then going through all the great games. And at one point when they got to the Titans game, which was the Case Keenum game, Mm -hmm. the lead into that, they spliced in footage of, I don't know who it was, but it was somebody reporting that the University of Houston was getting sued by the Tennessee Titans because that must have happened, like, right around the same time. So the Texans included that as (laughs) part of their – like, as a preamble to that game, they included that part of it.
1: Oh,
4: that's awesome. It was great. It was so good. Whoever
3: put that together, if you're listening, it was so good.
4: The Texans, like, media and social media department has gotten so good over the last few years. And, you know, frankly – they'd gotten they'd gotten better even as they were bad but yeah. it was the point where they were still um they were still like they still had the perception like the one day on passover when they had one of the running backs carrying um a matzah uh and, and a matza ball yeah and people like acted like they'd done the worst thing on earth and meanwhile like all these jewish Players and athletes were like, oh, it's cool. It's funny. And they're like, oh, I can't believe the Texans would disrespect the the, the, the Jewish religion. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think
3: it was a Jewish person that put the graphic together.
4: It well, No. The, okay. The backstory is this. Because I think the Texans just wanted to let it yeah, die yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The backstory was, yeah, it was a Jewish. It was a, a Jewish. Uh, the employee that came up with the idea yeah. was Jewish. Yeah. And she said, hey. Can I do this little graphic and we can say happy Passover to those who celebrate? And uh, so the Texans are like, yeah, sure, go for it. Like, I would love to hear the alternate. So the people that are angry at the Texans for doing that, the alternate version would be the Texans told their Jewish employee, no, you will not celebrate Passover. That's what you wanted. That was the acceptable thing for you. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> all these people were like, "Oh, that's insensitive." <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> that's funny. No, um, I remember Mitchell, Mitchell, and Jeff Schwartz were like, "Yeah, it's free. It's right." Totally fine. What r- the hell are you guys? Right. What's everybody upset about? Yeah. Did you? There was like zero Jewish people got offended by that. <laughs> it was everybody getting offended everybody, uh, just because, so they could, so they could the say something to the text. Gentile white knights out there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, have you seen any of this Mikel Hardman on the Pivot Podcast stuff that's floating around right yes, now? Yes, I have, and it's <laughs> okay. disgusting. Okay, yeah, I, and, so, and,
4: I'm so angry that he won a Super Bowl. This is the real tragedy yeah. of of winning a Super Bowl yeah. is that you've got at least ten guys on the team um, that will have that as their trump card for the rest of their lives, dude. No matter how underutilized Mikel Hardman was, look, he he won that game for him, or it was part he, of winning that game for him. A pass
3: that was a five yard pass. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that happened to be the winning <laughs> touchdown. So Mikel Hardman who started the season with the Jets, signed a one-year deal with the Jets, and by about the middle of the first month of the season was out of sorts with the team. Didn't like his role. Um, at one point, four weeks into the season, they came to him because their regular punt returner who replaced Michael Hardman early in the season – he was hurt. It was Xavier Gibson, and they came to Michael Hardman before a game. Said, "Hey, we may need you to return punts." He said no because he was mad at them that he didn't get to practice it during the week. He was a he was a piece of work, and it and and it reached a point in the season where he was literally reportedly telling some of the Chiefs on the field with him when they played the Chiefs, "Hey, come get me." Like I said, a one year deal there. He's a month in or whatever. He's like, "Hey, come get me," and so he winds up with the Chiefs. The Chiefs end up trading for him, which is a whole other thing we could get into. But this was Miko Hardman basically just taking a complete blowtorch. To the New York Jets on the pivot podcast this week.
6: What went wrong with the Jets? They trade you. What went wrong there? Y'all treat certain guys that shouldn't be treated like they should be treated. And I just feel like it's not an established coaching staff there as well. Like you just got new coaching staff that came in. It's no standard there. It's like everybody do what they want to do. And defense have a more of a stabilized standard with that with the coaching staff on that side. So you could tell a defense got a standard, but the offense is just like I right, have we'll just figured it out. It's an Aaron show. Mm-hmm. Let like Aaron do what Aaron do. You know what I mean? But then when Aaron go down, it's like, we don't know what to do. But it's like that same coach that just was out of a job the previous year then to get a new job. Mm-hmm. For a fact, I'm better than him for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I ain't trying to, you know where I know I'm better than him. I'm better than him too. Garrett Wilson, the only person y'all should just be like, hey. So yeah. I have no problem with y'all putting around Garrett Wilson for sure. I don't, I don't care. Like, that's fine. But when you comes to certain other things, it's like, come on, like, I don't understand why I'm not in a rotation with that. And y'all never gave me a reason as to why either. This this my thing was, y'all can't tell me about winning. I've been to four Super Bowls in right. five years, you know what I'm saying, now, you feel me? But beforehand, I told, I've been to four AFC championships, I've been to three Super Bowls, I've won two of them. Like, I know what winning looks like. Right. I know what winning is. So y'all keep telling me certain things, it's like I'm not going for that. Like, cause y'all not doing it right. Like, we got hammers on the ground, we don't got no discipline, people feel like it's too many individual egos in this locker room or whatever and I'm telling them like this not gonna get y'all to win. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> okay.
4: Michael Hartman, yeah, that, winner. Yeah, I guess that wasn't the part that pissed me off as much as, uh, I mean, it, uh, like him, uh, it, like, you know, the Chiefs didn't retain you once before. Um, I don't think they're going to retain you this year either. But, like, yeah, I know you know how, I, I know you know what winning looks like and everything. Um, and yet, it doesn't seem like you're looked at as one of the critical elements in absolutely winning. The, the Chiefs didn't use him much until in in the playoffs at all. And, he ended, like, he ended up being a key part of that playoff. They ended up having three receptions in the uh, in the Super Bowl, um, but yeah, yeah, he's a little full of himself. Some of the some
3: of his former teammates were coming out yesterday saying he was feeding game plans to the. To the Chiefs and the Eagles. Yeah. That's the as thing. As a member of the Jets.
4: Yeah. 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 Like, like he completely. There's one thing to recognize that things aren't done the same way as Andy Reid does them and it's not as good an organization and that the offense was a mess for a lot of different reasons. But it's another to just start sabotaging your own team because you're upset. Yep. Like, that's a part. I, don't, I feel like that, that soundbite, it sounds like a guy who's disgruntled, but like has some. Like, he's got, because he's got some valid complaints about the way the Jets go, it doesn't tell you just what a pain in the ass Miko Hardman actually is. Yeah,
3: like, that's, I wish it was another team because, like, well, a lot of things he's yeah. saying, I'm like, yeah, Nathaniel Hackett, I've called him a boob on this show before. Like, it's hard for me to take up for Nathaniel Hackett, you know?
4: Yeah, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he also, he refused to go in on special teams. Yeah. Blames you know, Brant he, Boyer he called up Brant Brant Boyer who's like one of the best special teams coaches in the league by a long yeah. shot. Uh apparently he's the issue is that Mikal Hardman the receiver who's not being used on offense much at all. And the and the Chiefs didn't use him on offense much at all for most of the time he was there. Back there again that uh yeah, he was upset that Brant Boyer wanted him to to return kicks.
3: Some wild audio, man. John Lopez is here. What's going on, dude? Nothing, man. How are you? Uh,
1: I am fantastic. How are you? Oh, well, happy anniversary. Oh, thank you.
3: Yeah, thank you're, you're you. first. But he thought I was so smart. Yeah, my first. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Other than, other than doing it February 28th and March 1st every year before this one. Yeah,
4: thank John, you. Sean, one of our listeners pointed out, I, I'd forgotten this about your wedding, but you had uh, Whataburger to-go bags for everybody as they left. Yeah. The, the, the reception at your wedding. Honey chicken biscuits, good.
3: baby. Yeah. yeah honey chicken biscuits. And there we overbought, too. So when we got back to the hotel, there was like 30 honey chicken biscuits. There. Honey chicken biscuits biscuits for everybody. Yeah, it's an awkward moment when it's your first night as a married couple and your husband is mowing down honey chicken biscuits <laughs> in the corner. Come to you bed, the, sweetie, in a moment. You, to,
4: yes. you carried the, the, the bags of biscuits across the threshold. <laughs> yes. they like, well, Amy walks behind you. <laughs> He's walking <laughs> behind me. Probably also, if we're being something.
3: honest, also carrying honey Just a minute, honey, biscuits. and yeah. you weren't talking to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better I to
4: mean. have that kind of a bun in the oven, Sean, <laughs> and another one on your wedding night. Got that right. Yeah. Got that
3: right. Got that right. Um, so yeah, I th- thank you. I appreciate that. Oh yeah, man. We got a big weekend plan, so it'll be good. It'll be good. Landry's here. What's going on, dude? What's up, dude? How are you? Oh, I'm great, man. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Um, so I, I was, I was listening to you guys <laughs> listening to Casario yesterday. Mm-hmm. You were able to sift a few nuggets out. I-, I know John, you were, you, you were dozing off a you- couple of times. You gotta be prospecting. You get- yeah, right. <laughs> you right. you got the be- pan out. You, you got the pan, the yeah. little pointy ax thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you got to get the pan
3: out. I was I was disappointed there was no follow up on Nico Collins. Uh, they asked him on
5: the walk off, but oh, they did. Yeah, the okay. walk off. He he talked about Nico and he talked about Grenard and he talked about some other guys. So like the local, Nelson, scrum, yeah, like the, the local
4: walk. The scrum after did, the scrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
5: yeah, I mean, some of this stuff was just like is CJ Stroud
4: good? Um, <laughs> what the key?
5: what's the key D'Amico that D'Amico
4: can coach huh yeah sure yeah. Can. sure can I'm waiting for like a, what's CJ smell like up close <laughs> like I bet it smell I bet he smells nice smells like victory sometimes you think you know you expect guys to smell kind of you know like sweaty or something and they just smell nice ah, nice mm-hmm. um
3: all right uh so you guys got a big show planned today of course all right so um keeping an eye on the combine and all that good stuff K- crosstalk brought to you by dNm leasing You're listening to KLT and KLT HD2 on Odyssey Station. Seth, I will see you tomorrow, Friday, 6 a.m., antibodies to you.
4: Antibodies and a respectful matzo ball to you. Thank
3: you, sir. I appreciate that. We are done. We are out of time. Okay, picture
0: this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.